the Summer Skate Studios behind the mask hockey shops present College Hockey West Live from May 31st, 2022. Tonight's scheduled guest, Sean Hogan of College Hockey Inc. Behind the Masks College Hockey West Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota, college graduate, member of the military, and you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe to nchc.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Three locations in Arizona, seven in Colorado, and four in Missouri. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. Metro by T-Mobile. Get 50% off or more when you add a line to a new or existing account. Liberty University. Play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. Buy Burrito Express, six East Valley locations for fresh, fast, authentic Mexican food. M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer skates, whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game in style at summerskates.com. And by Drury Inns and Suites. Travel happy again. Book your next stay at DruryHotels.com or at 1-800-DRURY-IN. College Hockey West Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, as it may be. It's Tuesday night, which means it is College Hockey West Live. Scott Strandy coming at you a little early tonight from uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado. I'm lying to you again, folks. It is not beautiful today. It is raining. It is cloudy. It is dreary. But we'll get through it. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein out on beautiful Long Island, New York. Paul, how are you today? Um, It is not raining here. Um, it was actually in the high 80s, low 90s, which meant, and I don't understand this because we've had months and months and months of 30s and 40s, people complaining it was too hot. And I looked at them like they were crazy. Let's go. Bring it on. <laughs> uh, you got to retire and get to the desert, my friend. That's where you need to be. That, that'll be ridiculous. your life. I, I mean, that'll be your life. We, we got the sun like three days in a row for a change. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. What are we doing here? Complaining about complaining about it being too warm hot. and just too hot. Whatever. It'll be back in well, the low, high 60s tomorrow. So Well, this beautiful uh, state of Colorado, they have these things called the Rocky Mountains, Paul. And it's beautiful air conditioning from time to time. Uh, you get a little breeze off the Rockies, and it feels terrific. But huge hockey know. game going on uh, not far from me, probably about really? 12 miles from where I'm at. It's the uh, Western Conference Finals, the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. 
huge party going on downtown at Ball Arena and outside. The TNT folks are there live on the, on the set. And uh, it's going to be a good time, but we're not here to talk that. We're here to talk college hockey because guess what? A majority of those players that are playing there got there by playing college hockey. Well, pretty close to to, uh, to it anyway. I mean, I think Sean will know this. Uh, the overall percentage of NHL players that play college hockey is at least a third at this point, maybe even a little bit more. So... Um, Obviously, that number will vary from team to team, but it wasn't that long ago where that percentage was about 5%. So, Yeah, and uh, I've seen a few of those guys recently, as you know, covering AHL hockey out here in the Pacific Division. Uh, a couple of them I've got to, uh, to know pretty well. Dylan Sakura, of course, with the uh, Colorado Eagles. Wyatt uh, Amit, of course, with the Colorado Eagles. And uh, I will tell you, their NCAA careers have led them to some really good uh, AHL careers and don't be surprised if either one of those or maybe both make it into the NHL very soon it's a uh, the NCAA has proven to be a great uh, breeding ground and training ground uh, for professional hockey players and uh, it, it's exciting it's exciting to be a part of it uh, in about I don't know two minutes or so we're going to bring on Sean Hogan our guest from College Hockey Inc and we're going to ask him uh, just about the development and a couple of things that are that are really neat about college hockey right now is not only the number of players, but there are too many players for the lockers as usual. And we'll talk about that as well in just a few minutes. Uh, just wanted to touch before we go to Sean about last night's show, because um, you and I have talked off camera and off uh, off air about it, but um, man, uh, what a Memorial Day show when you can bring on a guy uh, like Brian Bielek and, and have him talk about not only the military side of things, but the hockey side of things from coaching to uh, being the parent of three boys that were on traveling teams to uh, being uh, the father of the captain of uh, the Army Black Knights and uh, now possibly being the father of a professional hockey player. So uh, if we can, Paul, just summarize last night for everybody that maybe missed it. Well, if you missed it, all I'm going to tell you is go back and listen to it because it was tremendous. It was, it, was, it's, it was immediately became one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Uh, Brian, By the way, we've done over 500 hours of podcasts. So have we? to say that, that's saying something. Have, have we? Oh, I, I don't even know. Yeah, we're approaching 550 job. as we speak. Um, but it was a tremendous, tremendous show. Um, we got kind of the inside on on how it goes down because, the you know, kids playing travel sports in a military career don't always translate well in terms of kids being able to pursue that. Um, but they were able to get it done. Uh, you know, Brian and his wife, Katie, were able to get it done for three kids. And um, it was just a tremendous, tremendous show. And we got some some uh, some things I didn't expect. Like, I did not realize that uh, Colin had gotten the okay to. Make him go listen to it. Make oh, him go okay. listen to it. All right. All right. I don't say nothing. All right. But, and there's uh, also some really good stuff about a special meeting that they had, uh, a special roundtable 
that they had at uh, yeah. West Point as well. You're going to want to uh, take a listen to it, folks. So after this show, by all means, go listen to it. You can download it anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, we are on about 50 different uh, platforms now, I think. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. But uh, we got more important things to do. So let's take one quick break. Let's come back and let's bring on from College Hockey Inc., Sean Hogan, and uh, dig into what's going on in NCAA hockey and the route to the NHL through college hockey. We'll be back in about two minutes. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in NCHC.TV. NCHC Hockey. It's on NCHC.TV. And I'll tell you the thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game and style with Summer Skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? Question, comment, let us hear from you on our text message line at 303-943-3772. College Hockey West Live is coming to you from the Summer Skates Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. Indeed it is College Hockey West Live. It's Tuesday night. We're a little early. But that's okay because we got a great guest on tonight, and uh, we're going to talk some NCAA hockey uh, from a different level, from the College Hockey Inc. level. We've got Sean Hogan with us. Sean, Scott, and Paul with you. First of all, how are you, and how was your Memorial Day? Excellent. You guys hear me okay? Loud and clear. Uh, loud and clear, Sean. How are you? I'm good. I had a great Memorial Day. I appreciate you guys having me on. It sounds like I have some pretty big shoes to fill from last night's guest, but Hopefully we can provide your audience with a little entertainment. Yeah, I don't think that'll be a problem. Every time we have you on, it's good stuff. A um, couple things, and I told Paul I was going to tell you this to start with. I'm not just kissing up to you right now because you're on the show, but man, oh man, college hockey, Sean, has taken off over the last two years. And people told Paul and I during the pandemic that 
Um, college hockey was in trouble. They said uh, this pandemic is going to be the end of programs. Um, it's not going to survive. It's not enough revenue. It costs too much. Every reason under the sun and just the opposite is having. So congratulations on your part in College Hockey Inc.'s part, because I know it's a, a kind of a thankless job, but it's a job that uh, is being done very, very well. And tell us about that. Tell us about the growth that you've experienced uh, really in the last year or so. Uh, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. And you're right. I mean, there was some trepidation about, you know, where some of the Olympic sports would fall and NCAA athletic departments and maybe some of the ones that weren't making as much revenue compared to, to football and basketball. And we thought there'd be a lot of cuts, you know, due to the pandemic. And you're right. We've actually seen, seen growth uh, at NCAA division one hockey in the last two years, you know, the addition of Augustana, the addition of Long Island university, the addition of St. Thomas. Um, and there, there's several more on the horizon as well. Uh, Utica college is exploring it. Um, and several others have approached us about, you know, doing NHL feasibility studies. So we're, and many of them want to remain confidential, but um, exactly as you said, we've gone from 61 teams to 63 teams, and I'm confident to say that we're going to go approach 65 or 66 here in the next few years, and, and, and that's great news for young players because that just means more teams, means more scholarship opportunities, which means more of a chance to pursue your dreams of playing in the NHL and, and being able to do so playing college hockey. So. Definitely exciting times uh, in terms of NCAA Division One uh, men's hockey for me. Okay, so as we sit here, and you brought it up, and and, and I would have gotten to it eventually. Um, the the talk about Utica College, or which is now Utica University. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, there was supposed to be a meeting in the last couple of weeks, I guess, by the administrators at the schools in Atlantic Hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything about that meeting that you can tell us? Because I've seen a couple of things about it, some things that didn't make any sense to me either. Like, apparently, there are coaches against this. But um, is there anything you could tell us about that meeting? And yeah, so 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 basically, re really, what's happening is there's uh, there's transformational change in all of NCAA Division One athletics and what it means to be an NCAA Division One institution, um, and those changes have not been set in place yet, and there's a lot of speculation on what those changes are going to be. Um, so many conferences are not in a position or don't feel comfortable about adding new teams to their conference without knowing what it means uh, to be Division One and what it means to have automatic bids. So uh, a conference like Atlantic, and th now we're getting into my opinion here, my opinion would be perhaps in the future Atlantic hockey becomes two conferences, and that places a home for Long Island University, places a home for, for Utica, and now we have two conferences that have automatic bids into the NCAA Division One uh, uh, national tournament. But, but at this point, there's just a lot of speculation, and not everybody's comfortable with adding um, another team to an already fairly large conference. Um, so Utica is going to is elevating their entire athletic department from Division Three to Division Two, and there is no NCAA Division Two uh, men's hockey uh, or championship for them to play for. So they would move the the team to NCAA Division One. They're kind of in that kind of limbo state now, uh, but they're exploring their options and, and what they can do here in, uh, in the near future. Okay, and uh, like I said, I've seen things, and and I was. And, and I and, and please, uh, we understand that, you know, some of the things are your own opinions. And we agree that 
the likely path for Atlantic. And the good for college hockey is, to have, you know, if you have those teams and they are at least in the geographic footprint, now how you decide to split them up is, is, is another story. But as, the more auto bids, the better. As far as I, we're I concerned, I, I'm in, you know, I'm in the position of we're trying to grow the game. The more teams, the better. The more competition, the better. The more schools that want to invest uh, in NCAA Division One hockey. Um, I'm on in the in that business side of things. I'm not on the coaching side, looking at the player pool or looking at um, a competition standpoint. I'm I'm much like you, or say the more the merrier. If we can if we can eventually have Pac-12 hockey and Big 12 hockey and ACC hockey, that, that's where we want to get. Um, and it's going to start with growth, you know, at a variety of different schools. Um, so my opinion is the more the merrier for sure. Hey, Sean, before we go any farther, if you can turn your volume up just a tad on your phone, I think uh, everybody wants to hear you a little a little louder. So, uh, I apologize for that. Yeah, can you hear me better now? Yeah, that's a little bit better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But, um, Man, I've got a thousand questions for you, but but the first one I want to get out before I forget is um, Paul and I have been talking, and we expanded our coverage area now. So we go from four teams to seven this year. We've added Lindenwood. We've added uh, the two uh, Anchorage and uh, Fairbanks in Alaska. And, of course, we still have Arizona State, Colorado College, um, Air Force, and Denver. So uh, we've expanded, and we keep talking about uh, the need for another conference to pick up these independents. And the one thing that, that we've discussed uh, kind of at nauseum is what does it take to start a conference? We understand that uh, maybe the athletic directors or probably the athletic directors need to start it, but um, you know, they all have a lot of things going on and I don't know where college hockey lies in their priority list, especially out West, but how does a person get started and, and get a new conference going? Well, you need, you need like-minded institutions, and it needs to make sense financially. So the independents, unfortunately, playing Division One hockey right now are, you know, all the way out east at Long Island, all the way out west in Alaska. So the, the footprint is nearly half the world. So, But what they have been doing, and there have been discussions, is a schedule alliance amongst the um, teams that are they're playing an independent schedule. Uh, many of them have don't have a, a problem filling their schedules in November, December, and January. But once you get into February, uh, a lot of these the other conferences are having their playoffs. And like Arizona State's a prime example of it. Um, they've suffered through three or four week layoffs before they entered the NCAA national tournament. So uh, it makes them difficult. So from a scheduling standpoint, th they can start scheduling each other in these you know late January through February to have a competitive schedule going forward and to meet the game requirements. Uh, to make the national tournament. So right now with the independents, they're kind of in this scheduling agreement. And then what we're going to need to see is just like-minded schools um, where it makes financial sense for them to start a conference. Yeah, that's good stuff. Paul and I keep talking about we need to start it. We need to call it the Great West College Hockey Conference, grab uh, grab uh, Arizona State, grab Lindenwood, grab the two Alaskas, uh, maybe strong arm UNLV into coming on board and uh, who knows, Oregon might not be far away. So that, that's our yeah, plan, that would Sean. Be great. Yeah, that, that would be great. I mean, we would love to see. And we're working hard to, to try to get some of these Power 5 schools to, to add men's hockey. You know, there's a lot of hurdles here, more hurdles so with Power 5 schools than there is with, you know, a group of five schools or, or smaller Division One schools. Um, but we're, we'll take all the help we can get for sure. We appreciate it. <laughs> 
right, well, okay. I, let me throw one more thing in here, Paul, because Sean being an old U of A guy, Paul, just turn your microphone who? off and your ears who? off. What? Where? What? <laughs> I, I, what? Sean, Sean being, a, being a former Wildcat coach, um, how excited are you for the opportunity to see that building rise in, uh, in Tucson and what that might mean for uh, NCAA hockey in the future? Well, well, first off, I, I'm really excited about it. I mean, I was there from 2011 to 2014, and the entire time I was there, uh, there was discussions in place of, you know, we need a rink, we need to have a local rink, at least uh, for practice facility and for, for youth hockey. Um, and I'm just really excited to see the city of Tucson and U of A have partnered to, to build something that's much more than a practice facility. It's a, it's a fantastic facility that, that can host large events and, and could be home for an NCAA team. I don't think there it's the immediate future or, or maybe not even really the near future that University of Arizona adds NCAA Division One hockey. Um, but it certainly is exciting to see because if you have a building, you're 75% of the way there, right? That's one of the biggest holdups is hockey needs its own facility and a specialized facility at that. So getting a facility in place, one as beautiful as they're, as they're building there, at the, the, is it called the Pima County Complex, I believe, um, which is just pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, not far from campus either, so it'll be good for those people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm excited for Chad. I'm excited for everybody involved with that program. And uh, um, I, It's a special place in my heart, right? I coached there for, for three years, and we had a ton of fun. And uh, the, the old madhouse on Main Street, the Tucson Convention Center, and we'd fill it up for a variety of games, but especially the ASU rivalry. And, um, you know, met my wife at, at, at the, the U of A and uh, became good friends with Greg Powers in the process as well. So definitely a lot of good memories there. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> as, 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 the, as Coach Powers has said on this program, and I'm – well, maybe he said it on this. I, I don't know. At some point he said it. But we want them to jump up so we can go back to kicking their butts, and I'm all for that. <laughs> well, there's one, one new thing that uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that's, that's pretty exciting in terms of ACHA programs and NCAA programs is the NCAA has granted a uh, – uh, legislation that's passed that, that states that NCAA Division One schools can now play ACHA schools as a regular part of, um, I guess, exhibition competition. They okay. don't need they don't need special waivers anymore, and they can still also play their international competition. So they can have two exhibition games. So it is something we might see in the future more, especially out west. Would be cool to see UNLV get some opportunities, U uh, U of A get some opportunities, and. And I think that's a way to grow the sport as well. I mean, you can get these schools interested in it with their ACHA programs, um, being able to schedule games like that. So it gets the ball rolling, I think, a little bit. Yeah, don't we have uh, UNLV playing uh, Anchorage this year? Yeah, Twice. You, Three times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think they're playing them a few times. And uh, that's exciting to see, too. UNLV's done a great job with their program. Um, since you so far have – basically made comments that go right into the wheelhouse of the questions that I, uh, I'm looking to ask. Uh, team mystery, as I call them, uh, up there in Massachusetts, uh, that has announced they're going Division One there in Stonehill. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean... I, I, I'm, as well to me, yeah. Yeah, I'm so, not... Oh, see? Yeah, so, so what was... Ha the, the whole... Again, we're getting into a little bit of, of rumor and in, innuendo in now, but... So the Northeast 10, right. a Division II conference, right? Correct. So all of those schools have been in discussion about elevating their hockey programs to, to participate them at the men's NCAA Division I level. 
And I don't want to say use the term budget friendly or budget conscious NCAA Division One hockey, but I, I do not believe it will be at the level of you know eighteen full scholarships. It might be you know you know less than that. Um, but Stonehill was the first to announce that they're going to elevate the program to NCAA Division One. It sounds like they're still going to play much of that Northeast Ten schedule. Um, right. There's a little bit of a precursor to that. Back in the '90s, there was a few teams that did that. Um, which is now Atlantic Hockey. Actually, a lot of those teams, it was Iona, <laughs> Fairfield, Sacred Heart. Those schools played in this, a similar type, to, to, I guess, budget-friendly Division One hockey. But um, we'll, we'll see what shakes out there. I mean, st- I'm still a fan of the, you know, the more teams, the better. And maybe we'll have a Cinderella story one day where, where they get to knock off one of the big dogs. We'll have another miracle on ice. That'll be pretty exciting. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, with these schools being Division Two. there's almost nothing for them to play for. Correct. So right. wouldn't it – I mean, I, you, obviously they're in discussions about it, and Atlantic Hockey kind of started out that way where um, it was, to use your term, low-budget Division One or low-cost, but – however friendly you want to call it um uh, isn't wouldn't that be better for everybody involved um they'd have people to play and you know you build your program from there because you know eventually when 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 teams are in that situation and schools are you're eventually you get people to be like hey why are we playing around with this here it might take 10 years like it did for some of the Atlantic hockey schools. I am, I lead more towards, towards your opinion there than, than, than some other people I speak to on it. it. There's a lot of people that don't necessarily think it's great for NCAA, you know, division one men's hockey, but I look at it at, at, from the perspective that you said, right? If you compare it to basketball, for example, division one basketball, you have the blue bloods and the teams that are perennial powerhouses that pay their coaches millions of dollars. And then you have, right people at the other end of the spectrum, there's almost 400 NCAA Division One basketball teams that are at the low end of that. Um, right. But occasionally you get the Cinderella stories and, and you get things that, you know, exciting things happen. And those, t- like you said, it takes time. It takes, you know, the right person in there to, to grow it. And I think it just, as we've said before, the, the more schools and the more administrators, the more athletic directors that we can get involved in seeing, you know, what it, NCAA Division One hockey can do for a campus and a university and for alumni. I think that's a good thing. Um, so that, that's where I stand on it. And and I think, and I could be wrong. I don't know how. Uh, Division One hockey teams would, al- would almost immediately be these schools' marquee programs. Exactly. So at many of them that are adding Division One hockey, that that is the intent, right? It's very difficult to add Division One hockey at a school that has Power Five football for for a variety of reasons, right? Um, unless somebody comes along and wants to do it for them and and pay for it, which is the case at Penn State and, and some other places. Um, but at these schools, you're right. Hockey can be your marquee program, and you can compete nationally immediately you get blue blood schools on your schedule and you can compete with those with those programs at an elite level and at a national level with with some other sports it's just it might not even be feasible for you to to compete with those schools yeah good stuff sean um 
A couple of things I wanted to, to touch on, but I don't know if you heard about my uh, adventure uh, last April, but I spent a month on the road, Sean. I went. So uh, I, I followed on the social media. I saw that. Okay. okay. So anyway, my, my point of it was, A, I love hockey. Uh, B, I wanted to expand, expand our footprint, but I also wanted to see just how close the, uh, the players were getting. So I saw everything from 16 to 22, I'll say. Um, and I was just totally impressed with how close the ability is and uh, how much it's grown. Now, that was a year over a year ago now. And this year, uh, I've had a lot of chance recently anyway to cover AHL hockey here in the West. And um, I'm seeing guys, and I'm going to use an example of Wyatt Amit, who came off of the uh, runner-up in the NCAA tournament at Minnesota State, joined the Colorado Eagles, played three or four games in the regular season, and uh, they immediately put him into the roster for the playoffs. Um, he was phenomenal. He, he played his last game, of course, because they were eliminated uh, Sunday night by uh, Stockton. But, man, he jumped right in. And I, I talked to Coach Cronin, and I said, uh, what were you expecting? He said, you know what? I, I never know what to expect when a kid comes in fresh out of college. But um, he earned a top-six spot on uh, an AHL team that went to the Pacific division finals. And I think that's saying a lot about what happens at the NCAA level. So if you can, just your thoughts on not only Wyatt, but uh, other guys that are making the jump and, and making an impact. Uh, well, yeah, it, just over the course of, I would say the last 25 years, NCAA division one hockey is almost year over year has produced more, more NHLers. So currently this year, there's 348. We'll talk about the NHL now. 348 former NCAA players in the NHL, and that's the most ever. And last year was the most ever before that, and the year before that was the most ever before that. So it goes up every single year, and it's roughly, I think you guys talked about it a little earlier, it's roughly a third of the league. But to put that in perspective, like if you went back 15 years ago, that number was like 10% of the league. If you went back 20 years, it was, you know, a single digit. So it was like 5 6 7% of the league were former NCAA players. And if you go back far enough, there was a time, it was like late 60s, early 70s, that there was only one former NCAA player in the NHL. That, that was Red Berenson, who obviously we know went on to coach the University of Michigan. But it's gone from... <laughs> he did okay for himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That went on from... It went from one player in the NHL to, to one in three players in the NHL. And it grows every single year. Um, just the most recent NHL draft. Half of the first 10 picks, five of the first... Uh, 10 picks are NCAA Division One players. And there's a variety of reasons for that. And, but one of the reasons really is it, it's just a you, – you're an NHL prospect for longer in, in NCAA hockey. In, in major junior, you're, you're done with hockey at 19 or 20, and you have to be pro-ready. Where in NCAA at 19 or 20, you might only be a freshman or a sophomore with two more years to get bigger, faster, stronger. And – have a chance to sign an NHL contract, you know, out of school, um, which is, you see more and more now because over well over half of the free agents are, or the undrafted players in the NHL are, are former college guys. And you just have a longer time to develop and you can, you know, get to, the NHL average rookie age is 23 years old. Uh, so what you do from 20 to 23 on the NCAA path is you're in school, earning your degree, playing NHL quality hockey, getting better. So when you, when you get to 22 or 23, you're just bigger, faster, and stronger, and, and, and you're ready to go. So I think that's what we're seeing more and more, uh, why we're seeing more and more NCAA players in the NHL. 
Okay, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into this one before Paul does. Okay. So, <laughs> um, uh, and I don't want you to take a side here because this is not about uh, slamming anybody or doing anything of the sort. I just kind of want to get your opinion, and it's based on college hockey, but. You know uh, what's happened at Arizona State as far as the way Greg's built the program and the fact that he wanted to be, um, the I call it the crowning jewel in college hockey in the West, the new building coming on board this year, all of those things. Um, and, and then I think, and again, I'm not trying to be uh, an, an anti-Coyotes type fan here, but I was kind of upset, okay, I was a lot upset, when the Coyotes announced that they were going to play in that new building only from the standpoint, Sean, is that I, I felt like uh, it kind of took away the thunder uh, for Greg. And as I travel through Colorado and all over now, people, everybody that knows I'm from Arizona originally or Minnesota, then Arizona, uh, they want to know what the story is and, and how it's affecting um, college hockey and the Arizona State program. And, you know, there's so many intangibles with Arizona State players. Can they can they interact with the NHL players? Can NHL interact? interact with them and all this and that. But uh, first and foremost, just your thought on that. Do you think it took away at all from um, the crowning jewel in the West at Arizona State, or or do you think it's okay? Um, you know, from an outsider's perspective, not being in Greg's shoes, I could definitely see what you're saying. I, could, I definitely see how, hey, this is our building. This is And all credit to, to Greg. He's built that program from a fledgling club hockey program to a – NCAA Division One National Championship contending program, and that's—I don't think anybody's ever done that. He's the first to ever do something that of, of that magnitude. So, um, but I, I don't know if it's there's a way to spin that in a positive, right? They have such a quality facility and such a quality um, program that the highest level in the world sees it as an opportunity uh, for them to be involved as well, and that's something to, to, to wear as a badge of honor. To, to know that we've done this so well that the best players in the world at the in the best league in the world have taken notice and think and know that they can use our facility uh, when they can because it's still ASU's facility and, and the Sun Devils and Greg's program is still you know on the marquee um, but knowing that that the, you know the best level in the world have recognized that I guess that's a little bit of a badge of honor uh, but I can also see what you're saying having it be a little bit of a, of a of a frustration, but I'm sure Greg has handled it um, well. And it's a good opportunity for his guys to see, you know, the day in the life of an NHL player as well. So you can sell it from a recruiting standpoint too. You can interact with the NHL every day. You can see how they, how they handle their business. You can see what they do in practice, how, how they, how they work out, how they carry themselves. So there's a lot of opportunity there as well. So my quick follow-up to that is, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the differences and what they can and cannot do. So from the, the NCAA eligibility part of it, uh, we know that they can't share facilities, um, locker rooms, training facilities, stuff like that. But are there things that we're missing, Sean, that uh, need to be worked out before uh, that could actually happen as far as not affecting the NCAA side of things? Or are there waiver possibilities? Um, well, a lot of that is changing. A lot of the, any sort of amateurism or, or caps on, <laughs> on that type of thing is, is really starting to change, and that's what the NCAA Transformational Committee is working on. And they're, they're supposed to release a report here at the, at the end of the summer, so, so we'll see. But there's really at the end of the day, it, they just have to worry about the players can't participate 
you know, directly participate in, in those events or accept gifts from, from the NHL program uh, or, or anything like that. But ASU has a, an outstanding compliance department that will, will handle the day-to-day -day there, which probably when that announcement was made, the, the compliance guy for or the compliance woman for hockey was like, oh, no, no, I got to do all this. That's probably how that <laughs> worked out. <laughs> so. Um, so, Sean, as I sit here and, and, and I do this once in a while, okay, um, and I look at this list of schools that had programs, uh, including a place where you played up in New Rochelle. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm a, a former okay. player, a former Iona um, Gale myself. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, Iona Gales, yeah. Um, and they had that whole original MAC conference. I know Fordham was in that conference. Uh, Fairfield was in that league. Um, I assume you guys take a look at that list and – especially the ones that had programs uh, in the not-too-distant past and kind of poke your nose in and say, uh, you know, guys, it's a little different now. Uh, what do you think? Uh, does that happen a lot, or is it mostly that guys come to you guys? Um, it's definitely a mixture of both. We definitely have okay. schools that, 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 that approach us, but we also, if we get wind – um, and Mike Snee, my, my boss, the executive director of college hockey teams, is, is really good at, the, at this portion of what we do. If he gets wind that there's somebody in the administration of, of proper authority, right, right, the, the president right. Or, or the athletic director, uh, somebody in the administration who's thinking about college hockey, or there's a, you know, a wealthy donor that's interested in NCAA Division One hockey, and we find out that they are looking to give maybe to their where they went to school. Uh, Mike is really good at just making phone calls to, to presidents or, or to, to athletic directors and, and, and seeing where, where, where their interest is. Um, or, they, or they approach us. Um, it's kind of definitely a mixture of both. And really the benefit for us is, is we're not trying to sell the end product. We're, we're, we're trying to say, hey, listen, we have a partnership with the NHL that allows you to explore this to, at no cost to you. The NHL right. is willing to, to pay for this feasibility study. If you have genuine interest, if, you, if you're interested interest in adding Division One hockey, they'll explore it for you. They'll get some details for you. They'll let you know how much it costs, where you're at as a university, and how we can make this happen. Um, so really, with, with the no-cost aspect of it, you can really get people uh, excited and interested. Okay, because I, I, I know in the last year or so I've seen stories about uh, – especially about uh, – schools in the state of Ohio that have had programs or or places where people are saying, hey, you know, our minor league team has gone on a good run. Why can't we do this at the college level and that sort of thing? Um, I assume your Google inbox or whatever, uh, you know, alerts you guys, you guys see those all the time, right? Um, yeah, we, we see – like I said, if we if we get wind of something or we see um, any, I'm trying to think of a, of a reason why we, why we would cold, cold call somebody. Some of it sometimes it's we I guess you know Arizona and Arizona State's a great example where we nobody came to us about Arizona and that nobody at the, the institution has shown interest, but their their arch rival, most most hated rival, has added <laughs> NCAA Division One men's mm -hmm. hockey, so that warranted a phone call from College Hockey Inc. to the University of Arizona to, to say, hey, listen, right down the road, it, it's happening at, at, at your arch rival. They're adding a marquee sport um, that'll 
you know, average 4,000 fans a game with season ticket holder revenue and donor revenue and, and not to mention what it will do for the excitement on campus and, and your alumni, are you interested? So sometimes it's as simple as that. Right. Okay, so in that same vein, um, last year, and we know because this came out, um, Tennessee State mm-hmm. said they're looking into it. They got, you know, they partnered with the National Predators. And I, I know the president of that university, at least if she still is the president, her kids played hockey. Mm-hmm. And apparently in February, started going about trying to raise money to, 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 to develop the program. Uh, have you guys been involved in that or, or do you have any idea of where they are? So, so we're, we're, we're heavily involved in that, um, partnering with, with the, like you said, the national predators and and TSU to explore Tennessee state being the first HBCU to have, uh, NCAA division one, uh, ice hockey. Uh, It'll start likely start as a, as an ACHA program. Um, for the first few years uh, to, to really get the ball ro- rolling. But they definitely have the visionary leadership and the excitement in that community um, to, to build that program towards NCAA Division One. And, and for us, for, for, for Mike and I and, and Jason at, at College Hockey Inc., that's one of our, you know, a passion project for us. I mean, all of college hockey growth is, but that's something that right. we're really excited about to, to, to get the ball rolling there and, and really open up, you know, college hockey across the footprint of the u.s and um so that's where they're at there it's i mean it's not an immediate future thing um, right but it's, it's definitely the ball is rolling and, and the right people are involved uh and the, and the decision makers at, at tsu are excited so it's exactly where it needs to be for sure now i'm sorry because it, it, it cut out on me so did you say they would probably start with an acha program is that what you said If they got to that point, uh, yeah, you're cutting out on me as well. But it was, uh, yeah. Oh. So it'll likely start, or it will start as an ACHA or okay. A That's what program. I wanted to make sure. I... Yep, and then go to to and grow to NCAA Division One. So All basically, right. so basically, if we see that, we know that it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the ball is is heading in the right direction. We'll, we'll know once once they take the ice as as an ACHA program that it'll be heading in the right direction for sure. Okay. Ah, good stuff. Uh, so, Sean, I want to I want to ask you a couple of things as well. It kind of backtracking to uh, the resurgence, if you will, of teams coming back and uh, Anchorage coming back and some other uh, Robert Morris uh, coming back and some of the resurgence. And, and Paul and I have been talking about the fact of the conferences again. But uh, my worry, if I can use that word, is that uh, when teams come back if they don't get into a conference, say, in the next five to seven years, I'm worried about their health. Um, because uh, what I saw this year, Sean, is I saw an Arizona State team that um, lost to Minnesota State in late January. And you could see the wind come out of their sails because their players knew that uh, their opportunity to go to the national tournament was gone. And I asked Greg that personally. I said, how in the world do you keep guys focused without a conference tournament? Because on the other side of the coin, I saw Colorado College with Chris Mayotte, uh, you know, have a rebuilding program, but they had a shot and they darn near knocked off North Dakota in the playoffs. So 
Uh, how important do you think it is for the survival of these teams, these independents, to what to be in a conference in say the next five to seven years? I, I think you're right. I think it's important that that every Division One team has a home um, for a lot of the reasons that you said. You know, building a schedule, and then you know, especially in January and February and March, where Arizona State has had to sometimes three or four weeks off before before heading to the tournament. Uh, but it is for the long term health of, of NCAA Division One hockey. Um, pretty much everybody needs a home. Now, I think a, a school like ASU could be the exception to that just because the, the name and, and the school and the brand carries a lot of cachet, so they can schedule more than than maybe an independent team that might be a Division II school that has a Division One hockey team. Uh, but for the most part, yes, everybody needs to, to have a home, and I think college hockey as a whole, once we get through this period here of – what we find out what it means to be Division One and, and this new legislation that, that comes through. Once we get through that, I think everybody needs to work together and do what's, this is my opinion, do what's best for NCAA Division One hockey, do what's best for, for everybody so we can continue to grow and continue to provide opportunities um, and really have the best you know product available uh, on the ice. But it's going to take work from everybody, um, from the all the presidents, all the athletic directors, and all the coaches to – to make it work and, and find a home for these guys. All right, Paul, sit back a minute. I got two uh, follow-ups. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got two uh, follow-ups. I got to get all in. Right, all right, all right. Um, so, so obviously when you talk about that and, and Paul and I have also talked about this, Sean, um, everybody, when you, when you go to Florida for the coaches meetings, the coaches all say the right things, right? Like we want to help the others. We want to do the others, but, but I think it's time. And gosh, I've been around college hockey for 40 years and I think it's time that people quit talking and maybe somebody grabs the reins, but I don't know who that's going to be or how that's ever going to happen, but everybody wants to do something they say, but until we have somebody step up and go, okay, this is how it's going to go. Or a group of people that say, this is how it's go. Is it ever going to happen in your opinion? So, so now you're getting into one of my, my, my favorite subjects here of what I think, again, there's my opinion. This is, there's no, we love this. Yeah, no, no inside information here. What I think needs to happen is we can still have the governing body of the NCAA in terms of handling eligibility and eligibility requirements and things like that. But each sport, because they're so different now, a, a, sport, a rule for football and basketball might not be good for hockey and gymnastics. So what we need to have happen is, is almost like a federated model where each sport governs themselves under the umbrella uh, of the NCAA. Um, so what we would need is somebody, almost like a hockey czar or an organization of people, maybe it's three people or four people, that will govern all of NCAA hockey, men's and women's, and that, that'll be the body that, that comes up with the rules and can do what's best for for Division One hockey as a whole or men's and women's hockey a, a, as a whole. Because what we have now is we have – the multi-sport conferences, which is only one in hockey, the Big Ten, have all the power, and they make all the decisions, right? And there's not anybody in particular thinking about college hockey when they, when they come up with these rules. They're thinking about basketball and football for the, for the most part. So my opinion is that there needs to be, you know, the overarm NCAA, but then each sport needs to have its own legislative committee that's going to do what's best for their sport, and hopefully we're trending in that direction. Okay, so my follow-up to that is, is, is uh, 
how do we find that czar? Like uh, we've been trying to push Frank Saratori to it, but fortunately he wants to keep coaching uh, <laughs> at Air Force. I don't think he wants the mess when it comes to it, but we call him a czar anyway. But um, how, how do we find that person or group of people uh, to, to get it, to get the ball rolling? Because I think you're a hundred percent right on and, and I'm blaming you for, for being inside my head now, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I, well, I think, you know, once we get to the point where that's the, that's the path we're going to take is that we're going to have these individual sports. I think the sport itself and the, and the, and the people involved in it from the presidents to the, as I said before, the ADs and the coaches will, will come up with the right people um, uh, to, to do that. Um, and it, there'll be ebbs and flows and, and bullseyes and misses for sure through the process, but uh, it's just grown to the point of it's just too big for any any one person to manage. I mean, it doesn't make sense for you know. There, there's different rules for, for different sports, but for the most part, what the NCAA does well is is run championships and, and do the eligibility stuff. But uh, in terms of what's best for it, you know the NCHC versus Atlantic Hockey, that's probably pretty foreign to, to the most you know senior level people at, at the NCAA because it's just it's so unique in, in so much so the coaches will and ministers will come up with the, the right people to do it in my opinion all right can I volunteer for that yeah you're in, <laughs> we're, we're, we're taking resumes because <laughs> the first thing you got to do is is these guys got to be like um, uh, I know I have my own opinions about what happened a few years ago um, as one conference came into existence and another one went away mm-hmm. uh, because everybody was looking out for themselves. Um, but uh, my first my first thing is somebody's got to take Huntsville in a league. Let's go. Let's get this. Let's get that back. Uh, you can travel them up with Lindenwood. Mm-hmm. And let's I go. Agree. I, yeah, I, I agree for the, for the best, for what's best for everybody, I think. You know, it'd be very hard, difficult for Huntsville to survive without a conference. Uh, same with Lindenwood, really, long term, and the Alaskas for sure. Um, so hopefully, you know, the next two or three years, we'll we'll start seeing some changes and, and start trending in the right direction. All right, final one for me. Um, Paul and I've been talking about this too, because we, we talk a lot, Sean. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> well, but, that doesn't but, listen. Nobody else will talk to me, so you have to imagine the podcast hours and the phone calls. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, when we look at a team like uh, Augustana, and I keep throwing them out as as uh, just huge, huge success stories already for college hockey because of a couple of things. Number one, I was very impressed with the fact that they named their coach a year and a half before they even are going to be on the ice. And they got a good one in Garrett Rayborn. And um, they, they put out the, the public uh, perception of it that, hey, we're big time. They flew to get him in a private jet for the press conference. Uh, they brought him back. Uh, they named an assistant coach. They've got uh, um, uh, merchandising done in the Shield stores already. They don't even have the building built yet. Um, but they're taking this on. They have a conference already. So my question to you is, how important is that big dollar factor? We know that that St. Thomas and Augustana's got tremendous donors and uh, and and money to support what they plan on doing, but uh, that really does open a lot of doors, doesn't it? It definitely opens doors, uh, but I think more importantly than 
just the the sheer dollar amount is is just having the, the right people in place to to have a vision and to do it right so the president and the ad have had a great vision and they they, they got the ball rolling hired a great coach and these are the people that'll that'll build the pro program and the culture of the program and, and like you said have the merchandise in stores and getting people excited um, will be the people behind that that money um, so they're definitely doing it the right way uh, the, mo- the money helps because like you said you get a building right away and, and, and you make that your hockey's going to be their number one driving factor uh, in athletics and everything that will happen uh, fairly quickly but it's important to get the right people in place um, that, that have the vision and that are excited about, about the program because all the money in the world won't if, if you're not excited about it you don't do it the right way you don't put the money in the right spots then you're it's not going to be successful so they definitely got the right people at the helm all right so my quick follow-up to that one then i'll let paul give his last question in for you um the the obvious thing is if if that's the case why why are other places not doing that i mean uh, i talk to to oregon frequently i talk to san diego state frequently unlv all of those different things um if, if there's a roadmap there and, and you know this as well as we do that greg powers has given a roadmap to anybody that wants it on how to go from acha d1 to to ncaa um but where where's the, the disconnect why why is it like an augustana uh, is it just really the people that, that get it going or is there a disconnect somewhere else that we need to try to fix? Uh, well, well, part of it is those schools that you mentioned, you, you cut out there a little bit. Like, like, I don't want to say Oregon as an example, but the schools with major college football can, every dollar that they put into football, right, they're going to make $10. Um, and that's not always the case with hockey. So, what, what you're looking to do is add an expense to your athletic department sometimes, as well as administrative expense. And um, if you have major college football, you can, an AD might think that, okay, I'm just going to focus on, on football and basketball and keep, and keep these sports happy without having to add new sports. Some of the other programs that we see add, hockey is going to be their marquee sport. That's going to be their driver. That's going to be their enrollment driver. It's going to be their, their alumni driver. They're their donation driver so sometimes that's the difference between you know c school adding a a school and hockey maybe not adding there's a variety of other factors as well but that's one of them all right paul take it away okay here's my last question and 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 obviously uh you can answer this however you want um in the next five years a Will we see another conference in your est- in, in your estimation? B, um, is there or are there the possibility of schools that are not even on our radar? Oh, yeah. The answer, the answer to both of those is, is yes. So I believe that we'll have another conference possibly two more conferences because I'm confident enough to say that we'll be adding more, more teams in the next five years. Um, and then two, yeah, there's going to be schools that we haven't even spoke of or, or thought of adding NCAA division one hockey, uh, in the next five years, uh, just by the sheer, you know, amount of contacts that, that we get. Um, there's a lot of exciting schools on the list and, and hopefully they all come to fruition, but just if a few of them come to fruition, we're just going to be a big win. So, 
um, you'll have more teams and, and more conferences, in my opinion. Okay, so just so you know, if you guys, when you guys are ready, I have come up with two different sets of realignment. <laughs> And that's away. How, that's how things happen, man. The best things happen on, on a bar napkin, you know, at the bar over, over chicken wings and, and beer, and you're writing things down. That's, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's how the greatest things in the world happen, man. Right there. Well, because I have one that would be really radical, and one <laughs> that would just be kind of tweaking, without taking apart too many things that already exist. Well, next and, time you guys have me on the show, we can we can go through it point by point. <laughs> oh, I, listen, I'm down for that. Oh, don't tease him. Don't tease him, John. Because, because we, you can come back on, on Sunday and we can talk about this. Because my goal is also, you know, everybody complains about the NCAA tournament and the regional things and that sort of stuff. Because I got a plan for that, too. So uh, we need eight conferences. And we'll be ready to go. We're heading in that direction, man. Nice. All right, Sean, you've completely left Paul sleepless for the next five years. <laughs> he will not sleep a wink. We appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I guess I have one more final one. I've got to ask you, how soon until you think we, we have to increase the number of teams in the tournament? We're at 16 now. Do, do we go jump to 20 or, dare I say, 24 sometime soon? I, there, there is a rule, and I don't know it, but there is, there is NCAA legislation that's you can only have a certain amount of teams based on the, te- the amount of teams that play your sport. Um, so we're still at a relatively low number compared to other sports. So um, I don't know what that percentage is, but I think right now 16 is pretty good. I-, I think you're right. I think the 20th team could could win it. Our sport is, is built that way where anybody can win on any given night, especially in a single elimination tournament. Um, but if we add more teams, uh, if when we when we add more teams, um, we can definitely expand the, the tournament then, I think. Awesome. That's great stuff, Sean. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. I know you've got a crazy schedule and uh, and some young kids to deal with as well, so we appreciate you coming on and, uh, and, and taking the time to inform us all on things in college hockey. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. You guys have a great show. Um, I like listening to it and following you guys on social media, so best of luck going forward, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, and the final, I got to give one more final thing. And Nate Ewell was on the other day, and uh, man, you graduated him to the big time, didn't you? Yeah, Nate's way smarter than me. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> and we're, you know, vice president with the Golden Knights, so you guys uh, had a way better guest on when you came on, man. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, we thanks appreciate- for putting up with me. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's Sean Hogan from College Hockey, Inc. Uh, Paul and I will be back in about two minutes to wrap up another episode of College Hockey West Live as we continue to uh, talk about this great sport of college hockey. We'll be right back. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at behindthemask.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, 
Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. College Hockey West Live is coming to you from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. Indeed it is. We're back. Scott Strandy with you in a rainy Denver, Colorado today. Paul Hornstein, my longtime co-host, joining me from uh, beautiful Long Island, New York. Um, Paul, we don't have much time, but uh, we we got to recap this because this is a show number two that was fantastic. So much insight from Sean Hogan. Uh, he, he just, uh, and I know he's going to keep you awake for the next five years with right. all the uh, teases he gave you. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, you're going to ask me what I, what, what, what I heard and the only thing I heard is he wants to talk about my realignment stuff. And so I, anything else just went right out the window. So why did I know that was coming? Why did I know? Yeah, no, I didn't hear him say anything else. So okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you, I did hear him say a lot of things. I I heard him say uh, a lot of excitement in college hockey, which is what we're all about. That's why we do this. Uh, we cover the game to grow the game is our mission statement. And uh, I think things are growing crazily. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with them. I think there has to be some conferences coming quickly. Um, I think that that's going to be the importance in keeping um, what's going on. I, I thought it was interesting, the stuff that he said about the NCAA coming out with some different things at the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will be fun. I well, also good, because uh, we'll have to get him on to explain those things because we both know that that'll be way over your and I pay grade. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I really liked was uh, his idea of having uh, a czar, if you will, for, for each sport in, in NCAA, let the NCAA handle the things that they're good at putting on the national tournament, um, putting on uh, the, uh, the clinics and getting the uh, eligibility stuff, let them handle that, but, but let individuals or a small group of people handle each particular sport because they are so different and when you add the nil stuff and all of that now um there needs to be somebody that understands the sport that they're involved in to help them make the best decisions and and the final thing is you know um he made a good point when he talked about the the schools like augustana and saint thomas and having the right people in place but man there should be a roadmap where like if you're gonna make the jump to NCAA hockey, you should have to do this, this, and this, uh, not only because it's a requirement, but it, it, it's a way of kind of ensuring your success. And And the reason I say that is, is you can go to a Shield store now and buy Augustana gear a year and a half before they take to the ice. So by the way, you, I thought it was a, I thought that was a grocery store. But. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be happy to hear that. No, not yeah. uh, anyway. Um, so you can go to Shield Sporting Goods and you can pick up that gear a year and a half before they take to the ice. So if you're going to be another NCAA program, that that's a pretty small investment to do is to, to get your 
branded gear out there. And I'll tell you right now, Paul, it is so hard to find branded gear because you know what I like to do is like on my laptop or my uh, iPad, I've got logos uh, from anywhere I can find them uh, for teams that we cover and I stick them on there. I, I just right. think it's kind of cool. Well, we have seven teams now. Uh, I'll tell you how many I have. I've got one, two, three. I have three schools that I actually have hockey uh, decals on there. So it's something as little as a little sticker or decal to put on something. Uh, you're missing the boat teams. Get out there and start selling your product and firing people up about it. It's a very small investment for a huge return. If you can sell t-shirts, hats, jerseys in advance, help your program out. I mean, it just seems like marketing 101, doesn't it? Um, I, I, it's, there's, it's hard to argue that, but you know, at the same time, um, you know, since I don't know the three and I don't want to know the three, um, it could be people just getting on their feet and trying to get settled first, but you're right. They need to push it because like I said, yeah, but okay, I, hold I, on I've labeled a school team mystery. I mean, that yeah. should never happen. Exactly. But but my point being is, if a school like Augustana is a year and a half away from taking the ice for the very first time, and they're already selling merchandise, why am I having a difficult time finding a sticker or a logo uh, from schools that have been in the league for a little while now? And I'm not going to single out schools. I'm just well, going to say that... Yeah, I know. And, and and it's hard, though, and it's frustrating because I'm going like, man, shouldn't you be telling people about your program? I mean, wouldn't that be an easy thing to do? I mean, I, I told you already our plan for, for this summer and next fall is it's hockey pucks, right? Our logo is going to be on hockey pucks, and you can make a donation to the podcast and uh, get a hockey puck with a logo on it. And when I go see people, you you know me, I have I have my bag full of pens. And I'm handing yeah. out pens to everybody. I handed out one to uh, the uh, media relations guy with Stockton. I offered one to um, the uh, president of the American Hockey League because you, you got to promote yourself a little bit. And there's things you can do without spending millions of dollars to do it. And I just, you know, if you want excitement, promote that stuff. Give people the opportunity. You know what happened, Paul? As soon as Denver won the, the national championship, they were selling merchandise like crazy. I don't even want to venture a guess at how much merchandise they sold in the uh, in uh, the Magnus Arena during that uh, little celebration that night. Um, sure, it was a lot. Oh, it was tons, and it was everything. They did it right. They brought out all the jerseys, a 70th anniversary jersey. You could buy stuff from a hat to a, a sticker to a banner, and and they were just reaping the benefits of it. And I see Augustana do it before they're even on the ice, and I'm looking at the other teams in college hockey, and I'm going like, why are you not doing this? Why, why is it hard for me to find a sticker to put on my iPad? Um, because you're missing the boat. I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that would would enjoy that or purchase that. Uh, listen, I I I I'd, lo I'd love to give you a, a, an across the board answer, but I can't do it. <laughs> I know that's why I said it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I I just think that that that's where you start. Um, obviously, 
I, I can't even imagine the investment that the Augustanas made in not only the building, the program. They're paying a coach for a year and a half before he steps on the ice. They're paying an assistant coach for the same length of time. Um, but that's what you got to do if you want to be successful. So either people don't know and, and somebody needs to give them a roadmap and go like, okay, you're going to start a program in two years. Here's what you should be doing. And uh, I look at our friends at UNLV and I go like, man, for an ACHA program, you're doing really good because you sell or, uh, jerseys all the time. You have uh, special nights all the time and you're an ACHA D1 program. So um, UNLV is getting it done the right way. Well, you know, oh, well, let's hope. Let's hope it gets done the right way uh, even faster. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now, so you can go ahead and take it away because there's well, a huge hockey game going on down the street no, in the rain. Yeah, well, no, I don't think they're playing in the rain. They're probably inside. The people outside, though, are oh. standing in the rain. They're oh, taking well, it all in because this is great hockey. Well, by the way, if you uh, would like to question Scott or have a comment about anything that Scott said, don't forget the text line at 303-943-3772. That's you know, and, and I'm sure Scott will answer you right away. Um, and if he doesn't know the answer, he'll probably ask me. But, you know, hey. And, anyway. And if, you don't, if you don't know the answer, I'll ask somebody that does. Well, that'll be every question, but that's not a, another <laughs> story. Uh, from the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Masks, College Hockey West Live, brought to you by Burrito Express. Homemade taste, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to burritoexpress.com to find the one near you. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. Peterson Toyota, whether you are looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget, we take the time to find the perfect Toyota to fit your needs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style. Available at all Allegiant Stadium events and, of course, the restaurant, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard. By the NCHC and NCHC.TV. To subscribe to NCHC.TV, catch all of the action of the toughest conference in college hockey. Drury Inns and Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay now for travel starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Jets Pizza, go to JetsPizza.com and find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Metro by T-Mobile. Get exclusive offers by becoming part of T-Mobile Tuesdays when you switch to Metro by T-Mobile. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to topgolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is, in the resort or in town. Liberty University. Hockey, education, and faith with equal passion at liberty.edu. And by M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M-Drive formula is for you college hockey west live presented by behind the mask and all of the ice time hockey sw.com podcasts are live on the podbean app and available for download at the itunes store google play store podbean spotify stitcher amazon player fm iHeartRadio app on the TuneIn app and so many more ask alexa to turn on your ithsw podcasts behind the masks college hockey west live and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the ice time hockey sw.com network very well done my friend a big thank you to sean hogan from college hockey inc for joining us and giving us the incredible insight into college hockey and the path that is on uh to me it looks like it's a very bright future ahead 
And uh, I think things will uh, will be changing dramatically in the next five to seven years. Paul Hornstein will not sleep over the next five years uh, uh, in anticipation of what's going to happen. But um, that's okay. I'll sleep for him because uh, Lord knows I can use the beauty sleep. <laughs> I'll just let that go. That- I figured, I appreciate that. All right. We'll say, we'll say good night with little Roger Klein, the peacemakers to Nero. We'll tell everybody if you have not listened to last night's show, you need to download it anywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts, listen to the great conversation with uh, Brian Bielek. And also, uh, of course, tonight's show is also available for download. And tomorrow night, Stephen Marsh and I will be back at our regular time, 730 Mountain to talk. Great West College Hockey Podcast. That's the ACHA side of things. And uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Um, Good night, everybody. Good night.